Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 25. Life can be overwhelming sometimes. When, and that's true for whatever phase of life you're in. If you're young, I remember being maybe like 8 or 12 and being frustrated at the, the difference of messages I was receiving because, you know, I was in Sunday school and the, the teacher would be like, okay, watch out and make sure you make good friends because bad company corrupts good morals. And I was like, okay, cool. Avoid all the bad people. And then we would sing this little Christian light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And I was like, okay, but how am I supposed to let my little Christian light shine if I'm avoiding the people? And so it's, it's confusing, especially when you're young. And I got older, and these questions didn't get any easier. I got to college, and I was trying to do a lot of different things all at once. I knew God wanted me to use the talents and gifts he's given me to do my best in school. And I knew that God cared about my health, and so he wanted me to get enough sleep so I can take care of my body, and to be kind to people, and to spend time in the Word, and to do lots and lots of things all while I'm trying to you know, have a job so that I can support myself when I'm in college. And there's just so many things. And you start to ask, okay, what does God expect from me? And you get into these situations where you've told your friends, hey, we're going to have a Bible study tonight, but it's 11 o'clock and you have a paper due the next day and you need to sleep. And you're like, what do I, what am I supposed to do right now? What is God expecting from me? And even now I get overwhelmed. Uh, I step up here to preach and it's a really scary obligation because I'm 22 and I'm supposed to tell you guys who are a lot older and have a lot more wisdom what the immortal God who created the universe expects from us in our life. And that's a heavy responsibility. And then it gets even more, you know, I, I go into my future and I, I, can, I, I look and I hope one day I'm going to have kids, but that's a terrifying thing to think about because one, how do you make them stop crying? But also, there, there are bigger things. How am I, as a person who is mortal, who is subject to failings and to frustrations, how am I supposed to teach them what it's like to have a heavenly father? How am I supposed to, to discipline my children without provoking them to wrath? These are hard questions to answer. And there are a lot of opportunities to look at the things that God has told us that he wants from us and to say, you know, I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure if I'm capable of it. It's, it's too much for me. And these obligations, they feel like they're pulling you in a hundred different directions faster than you can go. But God has given us a very simple truth that he wants us to understand about this. And that is that God does not expect more from us than he will give. Or in other words, what God demands of us, he will supply. So I said we're in Leviticus 25. We're going to be... Uh, drawing the first of these applications from the concept of the Sabbath year in Leviticus 25. So the Sabbath year is a lot like the Sabbath day uh, in that it comes every seven years and you're not allowed to work the field. And 
with the Sabbath day, it's pretty simple. You take one day off to worship God. It's a, it's, it takes faith. But when you have to take an entire year from sowing and reaping, it's a difficult and scary thing. He tells them about this in Leviticus 25. We'll start in verse 2. He says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow the field, and for six years you will prune your vineyard and gather in its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. And like I said, this is going to be a scary thing. It's going to take a lot of faith because these Jewish people, they don't have enormous farms. They don't have a silo full of grain. They're subsistence farmers for the most part. And so if you're only in every year getting the, kind, the food that you need to survive, it's going to take a lot of faith to say, okay, I'm going to set aside an entire year where I'm not going to work the land and trust that God is going to take care of me. But God understood that this was a big thing to ask. And so that's why he assures them in verse 20 through 22. He says, And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we may not sow or gather in the crop? I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, so it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. Then you will sow in the eighth year. You will, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when the crop arises. God says, yes, I know it's scary, but if you do this, if you take the year off that I'm telling you to, I will make sure you have what you need. And here is the beginning of our, our simple concept that God demands of us some pretty high things. But when God asks something of us, he will give us what we need to accomplish it. And this is not an isolated thing that we just find in Leviticus. We can see that in the manna that God gave them in the wilderness, that he told them, don't gather it on the seventh day, but gather extra on the sixth day. And he gave them what they needed, and it kept for longer than normal, and they had what they needed because they did what God wanted them to do. Or in the case of Gideon, where God says, go fight the Midianites and take a really tiny army, and you're going to defeat them. Now, most military strategists would say a 300-person army is not a good idea to go face an entire you know, Midianite army. But God gave them victory because they did what he said, and so he gave them what they needed to accomplish what he asked of them. And this is very encouraging because in the times where we're looking at all of our obligations and feeling overwhelmed, we can take courage and say, I can do this because if God has asked something of me, he will make me sufficient to do it. And so to go back to where we started there at the beginning, maybe on my own, I'm not enough to be a light to the world and to stay away from bad company. But with God's wisdom and strength, I can do that. And maybe I'm not enough on my own to handle all of these obligations. But God is going to help me figure out what I need to do and make me sufficient to do what he expects of me. And so we draw a lot of encouragement from this. 
So how does this apply in specific places to us today? I would like to say that there are four that we're going to talk about, although there are a lot more. The first of them is talking about money. Now, money is something that is overwhelming. Sometimes you're reading the Bible and you get a variety of passages. We talked about 2 Corinthians 9 this morning, where it says God loves a cheerful giver or that God expects us to be the kind of people that distribute freely and give to the poor. But on the other side, you get passages like 1 Timothy that say, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Or in Proverbs 6, where he's talking about the ant, he says, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So we get some passages that say, give your money to the poor, help people, liberally give. And other passages that say, make sure you save up, make sure you're taking care of your house. And you balance these and you start to ask some pretty big questions. How do I do both of those things? How much saving makes me a Scrooge? How much giving to the poor takes food away from my family? And Am I allowed to enjoy myself? Can I take my wife to a restaurant that costs more than I put in the collection plate on Sunday? These are big questions. And I don't know the answer to them. But what I do know is that God does not expect from me more than he will make me able to do. And if God wants me to be able to prepare, to uh, help my family and to provide for my family, and he also wants me to be a generous person, then he will give me what I need to do both of those things. I think part of this has to do with stewardship. Even in the Leviticus passage, you, if we had noted some of the other passages, some of the verses around it, it points to the fact that if they have faith, if they trust him, if they do what he tells them to do, then he's going to provide for them. And if we have an interest in doing the will of God, in taking care of our family, in giving to the poor, then God is going to give us the money to do that because God wants us to use the things he gives us for him. And if we are already doing that, then he can trust us to do that. There are a lot of passages, uh, Luke 16, Matthew 25, the parable of talents, and uh, 2 Corinthians 9 that we just noted that talk about the value of stewardship, that God sees the way we're using the things he's given us. And that he asks, if you're not going to use your earthly riches to please me, then how can I trust you to give you heavenly riches? That he's watching the way we're using the things that he gives us here. Um, or in 2 Corinthians 9, we get sort of a flip side of that, that if we're using the things that God gives us properly, then he's going to keep giving us more so that we can keep doing his will with those, with those blessings. Now, this has no backdoor to becoming rich, but it is an assurance that God sees stewardship and will make us sufficient to do what he wants from us. So this... I must qualify a bit. This could come in a, a large spectrum. So say you have an interest in being generous, in giving to the poor. Maybe God is going to allow you to do that by giving you a really awesome job where you're giving lots and lots of money to people. 
Or maybe God is going to make you sufficient for that like he made the widow with her two mites. Maybe you're going to be giving loose change on Sunday morning and God is going to look down and be pleased with that. Because as 2 Corinthians 8 says and other places in the Bible, it's not, well, 2 Corinthians 8, 12. If the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have. This is in the context of the Macedonians giving. That if we have a desire to give, then it's not the amount of money we are giving, but it is that we are choosing to give, and God sees that. And if we are giving what God has given us to give, then he is pleased, and we can, can have peace in that. And if you are trying to provide for your family, we know the passage in Matthew 6 where God is addressing, uh, or Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, is addressing anxiety. And he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 31. Matthew 6, 31. It says, Therefore, Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says there are people out there who don't have the faith that you'd have. They don't know God like you, these Gentiles. And they're worried about the little things of this earth, the things we're going to eat, the things we're going to drink, how we're going to be clothed and and protected. But he says, your God knows you need those things. So if you do what God wants you to do, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if that is your goal, then God is going to give you what you need to, to live so that you can keep on doing what he wants you to do. And Paul says something similar in Philippians 4.19, where he says that God will supply your every need according to his abundant grace. We have to take this, although, with a a bit of salt, because Paul is in prison when he says this. And just several verses before, he talked about being content with having very little. So although it is true that God will provide for you what you need, we may also have to learn contentment along with that. And so if we want to provide for our family, if we want to, to support them and give, give them what they need, then God is going to help us do that. Now, that may come in the, in the way of having a nice job, like earlier we talked about. Or it may come that you're poor, but there are a lot of nice people around you who take you out for dinner. Or it may be that you're poor and that Kroger runs a sale on black beans and you're like, all right, well, I guess I have food this week. Or it may just be that you learn contentment and you learn you don't need as much as you thought. But through all of this, we can understand that if our desire is to serve God and if our desire is to do what he wants us to do, then he is going to equip us to do that. And He is not going to ask us to do something which he will not make us sufficient to do. He does not expect what he will not provide, does not demand what he does not supply. I think this also applies in time. I talked about when I was in college, I was super busy. I know you guys with children are laughing at me because you're like, you don't even know what busy is. 
but I thought I was busy. And I was you know, going to class and doing my homework and then going to more classes and just back and forth. And I, I never felt like I had time to do what God wanted me to do, to read my Bible, to, to pray, and to, to do what I, I knew I should be doing. And I kept saying, oh, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. But then tomorrow never came. I just kept being busier and busier. And even now, time is, is a stressful thing because I, even though I spend a lot of time, it's my job to study the Bible, I still worry about the time where I'm not here. You know, am I supposed to be spending more time with my wife? Am I supposed to be spending more time encouraging people or spreading the gospel? Or there's so many good things I could be doing, more than I could ever really do. And I'm, I, I'm constantly asking myself, what should I be doing with my time? And it's stressful. But we can recall that God is not going to ask us more than to do more than he gives us the time to do. And if we're feeling overwhelmed, like there's no time for the service of God, then we can remind ourselves that God will equip us with what we need to do what he wants us to do if we have that desire. He's not going to ask us to do more than we can. And if he expects us to keep growing, he's going to equip us with more energy, more efficiency, more stability so that we can do his will. And I think it comes back again to stewardship, that if we are using what he has given us well, then he will make us sufficient to do more with what he has given us. Uh, here, I want to say, I, I, what I'm about to say is a bit speculative, but I think it fits well within the way I see God use money and in other places in the Bible. When I was in college, like I said, I was super busy, and I was neglecting the things I knew I should be doing, and I was, I was reading in the prophets, and specifically in the book of Haggai, where God curses the field because the people chose not to do the things that God wanted them to do. In Haggai chapter 1, uh, they've just gone back from exile. They're supposed to be rebuilding the wall, but they've encountered some trouble along the way. And so instead of rebuilding the, the temple, they start to rebuild their houses. And they spend a lot of time doing their things, and they neglect the things of God. And so he says in Haggai 1.4, is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. He says they're trying really hard to do all the things that they should have expected would work, to, to grow their field and to do the things to provide for themselves. But their heart wasn't in the right place. They weren't putting God first. And as a result, he cursed the produce of their land so that it would not produce like it was supposed to. And like I said, back when I was in college, I was super busy and I thought, oh, I just I don't have time to do what God expects me to do. And 
I, the, my homework was difficult. I kept having troubles with it. And I, these things kept coming up and stealing away the time that I told myself I was going to dedicate to God. And this really all came to a head one night. We got back from church and Leah's car had a low tire and I had a paper to write for my class the next day, but I was like, it's not a big deal. I'll just, I'll take her, her car, I'll fill up the, the tire with air and it'll be all done. And so I went to the gas station to fill up the tire and different events happened and it took like four hours because the pump was broken and the tire deflated. It was, it was terrible. So it's like 1145. I get back. Leah's asleep because she's supposed to drive to her internship at 6 a.m. in the next morning in the car that I'm fixing. And so she's asleep. I gave her roommates the keys. I went back to my room to work on my paper when I realized I'd left my laptop in the back of Leah's car, which is now locked. So I, st- I borrowed my roommate's laptop, typed up the paper, like 4 a.m. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning. I turn in the paper. And through all of this mess, I was reading in the book of Malachi. <laughs> and in Malachi chapter 3, there's a verse that just hit me like a bullet. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more. And I knew as I read that, that there were things God was expecting from me, time I was supposed to be dedicating that I had not been. And I started to think about Haggai and how When they didn't do what God wanted them to do, he made their work unfruitful. And I wondered to myself, I cannot prove this, but I wondered, is it possible that the reason these things are happening, the reason I'm having trouble figuring out my homework, the reason that this car took four hours to fix, all of these things are popping up and my work is not fruitful. Could that be because I'm not, I don't have my priorities in line. And so I decided that was what I was going to do. And I started, I, I set back in the time I was supposed to be reading and praying and doing the things that God wanted me to do. And I didn't have any more car problems. And my homework started to make sense. And I started to be more efficient with my work. Now, maybe that's all a coincidence. But the point, regardless of all of this, still stands that if we seek God, that He will make us sufficient to do what he wants us to do. And he is not going to ask us to do something that we cannot do. And so if God wants me to do well in school and he also wants me to dedicate my time to study his word, then he is going to equip me to do both of those things. And that is greatly encouraging, whether you're in school, whether you are a parent, or whatever these obligations are, God is not expecting of you more than you can give. Another way this plays out is with wisdom. I think the Bible clearly teaches that God will equip us with the character and skills we need to do his will. When I get up here to preach, it's scary because I worry. Am I able to do this? And am I going to do it well? But then I, I realize I'm not alone in this in this problem. There are lots of people who are scared by the tasks that are before them. Maybe you're starting a new job, or maybe you're a parent, or maybe you're having marital problems, and you're like, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this, or if I can live up to the expectations that I know God has for me. But there's hope. In the book of James, 
in the first chapter. In James chapter 1, God says, or James says, concerning God. In James 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That when I am scared that I don't know how to present the Bible the best way, when I am scared that I don't know if I'm smart enough, if I have the skills to do, the, to do well in what God has, has given me to do in my life, or when trials come and I'm not sure that I have the, the wisdom to, to overcome them, that we can see here in James that if we ask God uh, without doubting, he goes on to say, that God will give us the wisdom that we need to get through. And so when I step up to preach, it's still scary. But I know that this, these tasks that God has given me to do, I don't have to face them alone, that I have strength that is not my own minuscule strength, but it's God's power that can work through me if I am asking him to work in my life to accomplish his will. And Paul talks about this in the book of 2 Corinthians, where he has, uh, for the most part, planted and really made the Corinthian church what it is. And as he's looking at the Corinthian church, he says in verse 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. That's 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. That, yes, Paul has done incredible things, but Paul didn't do those incredible things on his own. It was God who was behind him, God who was giving him the strength to bring about change here in in the city of Corinth. And the same concept applies in lots and lots of different things, that there are going to be tasks that we are put up against. I'm convinced that God gives us things that he wants us to do that are more than we can handle on our own, so we have to rely on him. That was how it was in the Sabbath year, that they couldn't have had enough food on their own, but they trusted God and he provided And there are going to be challenges, jobs, roles that we take on in life that are scary and bigger than we think we can handle. But if we pray and if we rely on God and we believe in his power to transform us, then we can become sufficient to do a whole lot more than we expected because of God's power working in us. God does not ask us to do anything that he will not equip us to do. And with every challenge, if we ask him without doubting, he will provide us the wisdom that we lack. Fourth and finally, I want to talk about the fact that God provides a way of escape. This is a short point, but there is so much, so much encouragement that we can derive from this. There are going to be temptations in life. I know I have experienced them, and I'm sure many of you have, that seem 
monstrous, like it has this crushing grip on you that you can never get away. Maybe the problem is pornography and you just, you try and leave, but you keep getting pulled back. Or maybe it's anger. You've seen the way that your anger hurts your family or the people that you love and you want to stop so badly, but then the urge comes and you just keep getting angry. Or maybe it's lying, but whatever it is, there are going to be things in many of our lives that sins that feel like they have this crushing grip that we can never get away and you start to look at yourself and you look at the Bible and the things that God expects from you and you say I I know what you want from me God but I don't think I can do that I don't know if I'm strong enough to but we find great encouragement in the book of first Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 13 in first Corinthians 10 13 He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That no matter the temptation that comes upon us, we can overcome it. Because God will provide us a way of escape. And yes, it feels like you are in a crushing grip. It feels like you cannot break free. But God will give you what you need to get out. He can give you the strength of Joseph to flee Potiphar's house. He can give you the wisdom of Ehud to find that way of escape out the back porch. He can give you what he gave David, cleansing down in his bones. And when it feels like you're trapped, and even if you were to break free that Satan would be hiding around the next corner, God is going to give you what you need to overcome the temptation. He will give you the way of escape if we lean on him. And yes, it is hard. But if we set our hearts to flee passion, to pursue righteousness, God will give you what you need. He will give you the strength to break free. He will provide the way of escape because God does not demand anything of us that he will not also supply to us. And like I said, I could go on and on examples. Time would fail me uh, to talk about the way that other people have talents. And we look at them and we're like, they're doing things I could never do. What's going on? And, you know, God doesn't expect you to be anyone but you. And if he's equipped you to do something, then do it. And if not, then let that be someone else's thing. Or maybe evangelism. Uh, It's scary, and we're like, I don't think I can do that. But if God expects us to evangelize, then God is going to allow, to give us what we need to do it, and he's not going to ask us to do something that we can't do. So we can evangelize. Or maybe there are trials in life, big things. You lose your job, or you lose a family member, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. But God will give you the strength that you need to handle anything, because God's not going to make you do something that you cannot do. God supplies what he demands of us. And that's true with money. When we get stressed about the things that we can or can't do with money, we know that God will provide. And when we feel like we don't have enough time to do all of the things that God expects from us, that God will provide. And 
when we feel like we're given a role that's so big we can't handle it, that God will provide, and when we have a temptation that we feel like we can't escape, that God will provide. Now, this is not an excuse for laziness. The Bible is, is filled with examples of people who have taken God's grace and taken God's freedom and used it as a, a, an excuse for sin, and let us not become another chapter in that cautionary tale. But at the same time, if we are earnestly seeking and we feel impossibly short, overwhelmed by all that God wants from us, we can remember that God will provide for us what we need to accomplish what he wants from us. And yes, being a Christian is really hard. It is rigorous. We are called to die to ourselves daily. And that's not something we should approach lightly. But we also can understand that if we submit to God's will, then he will equip us to be sufficient in that task. Just like the Sabbath, if we want to do God's will, then he will give us the things we need to do what he asks for us, the means to accomplish his desire if our faith is in his power. I've got one more passage for us before we leave, and that's Micah 6. If you turn over to Micah 6, we find people who felt similar to us in a lot of ways. In Micah 6, verse 6, we get this question of how, how do we come before the Lord? It says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? You know, there, the obligation of coming before the Lord, of being pleasing to him, it can be overwhelming. And we can start to ask ourselves, you know, should I bring these grandiose offerings? And yes, God expects our whole heart, our whole life, all of our devotion. But if we seek to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with our God, that is what he expects from us. And if we set our hearts to do that, if it is our earnest, focused desire to serve God and be pleasing to him, he will make us sufficient for the task. So if you're here this morning and you have become overwhelmed by the obligations of life. Uh, you're scared and you've been trying to face them on your own, but you find that you just can't and you need prayers of encouragement. We are happy to do that and to help you. Or if you've been trying to face it on your own, if you've never come to Jesus, you've never submitted your life to him, then we would love to meet with you to talk with you about baptism and, and the process of becoming a Christian. If you have any need at all, please come forward as we stand and sing.